Turn with me to the book of Exodus 29. I'll read one verse of scripture, verse number 37. Thank you, singers and musicians. I know you had one more song, but I've, I've just felt the witness of the Holy Ghost that this was the time to move forward. Let me say while you're turning, this weekend is Mother's Day. And as bad as I want to just go ahead and have church, I believe we should also exercise wisdom and caution. And so this weekend, we will do a 10 a.m. park and praise. Uh, we, we can dress it up however you want to dress it up. It's the parking lot service. So 10 a.m., you can bring chairs. Let me just say this. You don't have to stay in your vehicle. It is perfectly all right through the state fire marshal and the sheriff department to sit in chairs as long as you stay with your family and you practice social distancing. So you don't have to be in a vehicle. You can get out and you can. Uh, we're perfectly in order to be in chairs. We're not doing anything wrong. And you can worship. But whatever you desire to do, it's at 10 a.m. this Sunday morning. And then next week we'll update you regarding our plans moving forward. We look forward to seeing everyone. We've been having some tremendous, tremendous moves of God. God touching people's hearts. We've had guests show up uh, on the parking lot. And I believe we're going to see the fruit of our labor. Amen. Exodus 29, verse 37. Seven days thou shalt make an atonement for the altar and sanctify it. And it shall be an altar most holy. Watch this. This is where I'm bringing my subject from, this last verse or the last phrase. Whatsoever toucheth the altar shall be holy. I want to preach tonight by the help of the Lord on this thought, the miracle of the altar. The miracle of the altar. Lord bless you. Amen. Thank you for turning the word of the Lord. The term altar in the religious world is not an uncommon term. It's very understood when you're speaking to someone uh, across denominational boundaries. If you say the word altar, they in their own mind, they have an understanding of what you're speaking about. Uh, to the world, it may not be as common, but in the religious world, it is, is very understood. One cannot think or speak about the Word of God without quickly mentioning an altar. Anywhere in that book, you start flipping. You're going to find somewhere, somehow, some way, there was an altar in someone's life. The cross in my opinion, has become the universal sign of Christianity. But the cross served as something more significant than just symbolism. It didn't just serve as an altar. It served as the altar. Yes, it was a cross. Yes, it was a tree. But it reached in the spirit world beyond just that moment. And it reached into the future. And it served as the finality or the final place that blood would have to be offered for the sins of humanity. It wasn't just an altar. It was the altar that the Lamb of God was slain upon. Beginning in the book of Genesis, the altar became synonymous as a place of transaction between God and man. In fact, the first time that you'll find an altar 
is when Noah came off of the ark and the first thing that he did when he set it upon earth and his feet touched terra firma is the Bible says that he made an altar and he sacrificed unto the Lord. You keep reading in the book of Genesis after hearing the promise from God regarding his lineage and his future. The Bible says that Abram built an altar unto the Lord. Jacob built an altar. Moses built an altar. In fact, in the book of Exodus, clear instructions were given regarding making an altar. God said, if you're going to make an altar, don't you put one of your man-made tools on those stones. Don't you take a hammer and start cracking that stone. If you're going to make an altar, it has to be out of the natural stone. You can't shape it. You can't carve it. you got to take those rocks and stack them and build what you want. Because if it's going to be unto me, it can't be tainted by man's hands. Don't pollute the altar that you make unto the Lord, for the altar was the place of divine exchange. You keep reading throughout the Old Testament, you'll find when they built the tabernacle and the first piece of furniture, when those individuals came into that place, was the brazen altar. Before they went any further through the courts and, and, and only the priests could actually go in, but, but the person that needed their sins remitted, the first place that, that they, they came was that brazen altar. And every time they came with their sacrifice, they had to bring the best, whatever they could afford, whether it be a lamb or a turtle dove, and on and on and on. But they had to bring it to the altar. It was the place of shed blood. It was the place of divine exchange. It was the place where their future was secured by what they did during the present. And you can trace that altar throughout the Old Testament and you follow it to Gethsemane. When around 3 o'clock it's believed, while they were sacrificing lambs through ritualism, what they did not understand was while Jesus Christ was dying on a cross, he was going to be the lamb that secured salvation for the entire world. But it was not the end of the altar. For you see in the Old Testament, the altar was a monument. But in the New Testament, the altar became mobile. No longer under the dispensation of grace are we required to go to a piece of furniture to talk to God. We no longer have to go to a stationary monument to have an interaction between the divine and the flesh. The altar is now anywhere you are. You can make an altar on your bedside. You can make an altar here at the, at the foot of this platform. You can have an altar driving down the road. You can have an altar walking down the road. You could have an altar in the middle of the woods because no longer is it about a piece of furniture. 
It is an inward exchange that draws you closer to God. Hear me when I say this, ma'am and sir. If you're going to live for God, you cannot skip the altar. For it is the altar that attracts the attention of God. It is the altar that you that God marks you and you put your flesh on that altar. We're living in a day when people are choosing to replace consecration for convenience. But God does not reward nor does he cater to convenience. There's something about a bloody altar that attracts the eye of God. To the average eye, a pile of stones with blood on it would seem repulsive. But it symbolized something greater in the eyes of God. Perhaps the greatest miracle is the miracle of the altar. This is what the scripture said. Whatsoever toucheth the altar shall be holy. You've got to stop and comprehend the magnitude of that statement. Whatever touches the altar becomes holy in the sight of God. I'm talking about the transforming power of an altar and how it can change your future. Because it didn't matter what pasture the animal came from. It didn't matter who the owners were. It didn't matter the background of that animal. When that animal touched the altar, all of a sudden something happened in the spiritual realm. And it became holy, not because of where it came from, but because of what it was placed on. It was placed on a place of consecration in the eyes of God. You hear me when I say this tonight. The gift does not make the altar holy. The altar makes the gift holy. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 23, 19. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. You know what that tells this boy tonight? That tells me it doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your background or how much baggage you got. When you make up in your mind, I gotta get on an altar. As soon as you climb on that altar, it makes you holy in the sight of God. That may not do something for somebody that's been raised in church. That may not do something for somebody that doesn't have a background. But you tell a drug addict that you can start over. You tell a prostitute you can start over. This is what Paul said. And such were some of you. But there came a time you went to an altar. Hallelujah. In the Old Testament, the sacrifice had to be spotless. But in the, two, in the New Testament, the sacrifice had to be willing. God does not require spotless sacrifices anymore. He was the spotless sacrifice. He was the one. Nobody, nobody could offer blood that washes away everybody's sins. Bible says there came a day when the blood of bulls and goats would no longer prove sufficient. So God manifests himself in flesh. This is what Romans said. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. The first thing you have to do is be willing. 
You don't have to be blameless. You don't have to be spotless. You just have to be willing. You present yourself. And when you go to God, whether it be in your bedroom, by your couch, wherever you choose to make a, have an interaction with God and make an altar, when you present your body as a living sacrifice, watch this. The next step is holy. Why? Because whatsoever toucheth the altar is made holy. So when you're willing, then you become holy. Then the next step is you become acceptable unto God. Why? What? Notice the pattern. The Bible said that our righteousness is as filthy rags. So in and of myself, in and of my flesh, it doesn't matter how good I can be, I can never be acceptable unto God as I am. But when I yield myself to an altar, when I yield myself to the hand of God, I then become holy. And then when I become holy, I then become acceptable unto God. There's a pattern that you have to follow. Just like the Old Testament, there is a parallel and a type and shadow. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That simply means this, find yourself an altar. That's what the cross was. The cross was an altar. The greatest of beings cannot rise to the necessary heights to become desirable to the Lord. I don't care. The greatest of individuals, it doesn't matter who they are, they can never reach the place in and of themselves where they become desirable in the sight of God. It's impossible. But the altar can take the lowest of sinners and the least desirable. And when they touch that altar, they become desirable in the sight of God. I'm talking about the miracle of the altar. It is transforming. I preach to people tonight that you were once lost and without hope. You had no direction and you were full of despair. But somewhere along the way, you came in contact with an altar. You Whether, whether it was at the foot of a platform or it was in your house, somewhere you found an altar. And when you laid across that altar, you became desirable in the sight of God. First Peter 1, 16 says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So how, if we're supposed to be holy, how do we stay holy? You stay on the altar. Because whatsoever touches the altar becomes holy. This is why Paul said, I've got to die daily. I've got, to, I've got to continually have a place of consecration in my life. I've got to continually have my flesh under control. There are some people that don't need more deliverance. They need more discipline. There are some issues in life that are not a deliverance issue. They're a discipline issue. If you're going to be led by the flesh, your life is going to be absent of an altar, be void of an altar. But if you're going to be led by the Spirit, you're going to have an altar in your life that you stay attached to. 
It's like this. I'm going to keep one side of me on this altar, and then I'm going to let this side of me socialize with people. But I'm not going to let anybody pull me from what keeps me holy. I'm not going to let anybody pull me from what keeps my flesh under subjection. You've got to stay attached to an altar. An altar is not defined by what you bring to it as much as what you leave at it. See, anyone can go to the altar with their baggage. Anyone can go to their altar, to an altar and, 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 and pour their heart out. But it's what you leave at the altar that makes it significant in your life. In John chapter 4, we read about Jesus. The Bible says that he must needs go through Samaria. This was unique in that they didn't have any dealings with the Samaritans. But Jesus knew there was a greater purpose. And he went to the well while the rest of them went to get food. And in the middle of the day, this woman came, which was against custom, because women went to draw water in the morning. But because she was loaded down with shame, loaded down with guilt, she went in the middle of the day and found Jesus. And they began to have an, an exchange between each other. She didn't realize who she was talking to. She was so caught up in the, in the monument that she missed the master sitting on the monument. In her mind, it was all about the monument. It was all about Jacob's well. She said, our fathers worshipped up here. She was stuck on a monument that she missed the transition that was happening in the spirit world. And Jesus said, look, number one, I've got water that you don't even know about. You're drinking from something that's going to leave you thirsty. But I've got something that will quench your thirst. But then he said this, you worship, you know not. You don't know what you're worshiping. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. You've got to watch the significance of this because it says in John 4.28. Many people just leave this verse. They skip over it. But it says the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. It's not this the Christ. The woman left her water pot. It was, it was what brought her there. She didn't just come with it, but she made an altar and she said, when I came in contact with Jesus, I left something there. It was the reason that I came. It was the shame that brought me here in the middle of the day. You see, an altar is not about just what you bring, but it's about what you leave behind. You don't just come as an addict. You leave your addiction at an altar. You don't come with depression. You leave your depression at an altar. The enemy don't mind you bringing it to the altar, but you leave it at an altar. you got to have an altar in your life miracle of the altar is not found in what it does to you as much as what it does through you when God begins to deal with your heart you'll find a place of decision when your life in, is in turmoil you'll seek the Lord there's four views of an altar the first view from the altar when you decide that I'm going to get right with God I'm going to change some things in my life, you're going to look upward. 
This is what Isaiah said. The year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Psalm 121, 1 through 2, I will lift up my eyes under the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. This tells me if you're looking up to the hills, it's because there's turmoil in your life and you're down in a valley. The first step to, to, to consecrating to God is I've got to look upward. I've got to see the Lord high and lifted up. I've got to get my eyes off of me and off of my surroundings and realize that there's a God that's in control. There's a God that's never failed. I'm preaching tonight to people that your life is in turmoil and you don't know what to do. The first thing you do is you look up. Then when you look upward, the result is you're again going to look inward. Because when you see how pure He is, you'll then see how filthy you are. You'll see your flaws and your failures. And you'll understand that your need for Him is greater than it's ever been. You'll start to look at you and, and yourself. And this is what Isaiah said. Then said I, woe is me. See, first he saw the Lord. He saw His beauty. He saw His holiness. He saw His purity. And he compared what he saw up there to what he saw right here. And he said, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. But watch what happens when he acknowledges his filthiness com compared to his purity. He comes in contact with the altar. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand. Where did he get it from? Which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar and he laid it upon my mouth and said lo this hath touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin is purged he saw upward and he saw what he strived to be like then he looked inward and saw how far he had to go how could he even be anything I'll tell you he had to have something touch him from the altar then when you look inward you're going to look downward. You're going to realize there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. You're going to realize that there is a place of eternal torment that you don't want to go. You're going to realize that there's got to be a separation in your life from the things that you've done wrong. You've got to repent and you've got to walk away from unrighteousness. When you come to the altar and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, God writes His laws into your mind. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of people who came to church with cigarettes in their pockets, but God filled them with the Holy Ghost. And nobody even told them to get rid of those cigarettes. But on their way out, they realized... I've got something separating me from God. And they got rid. I've been in services where when they got the Holy Ghost, the first thing they did was throw their cigarettes on the altar because they realized there was something of the, of, of the other side that they needed to separate themselves from. That's the third view. When you get up from the altar, you turn around, then you're going to look outward. You're going to look upward. You're going to look inward. You're going to look downward. And then when you realize what God did in your life, 
you're going to look outward. You're going to realize there's people out there that's lost. When that woman came in contact with Jesus, she left her water pot and she ran and told people about Jesus. The miracle of the altar is that it doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody you come in contact with. You're going to go and tell your family. You're going to go and tell friends. You're going to go and tell people. My friend, listen to me today. If anything, if there's anything that we need in this hour, we need to have an altar in our life. I'm not talking about a piece of furniture. I'm talking about a relationship with God and a place of consecration. We need to take it upon ourselves. We will have an altar. Amen. Musicians and singers, I invite you to come. When you read the Word of God, if you're not careful, you'll just read it as words on a page. Black and white, words of Jesus are in red. You miss a lot of the significance of it. When you stop and realize every person, including Jesus, was a human being just like me and you. Jesus was human. He was fully flesh. Yes, he had the Spirit of God. He had the Holy Ghost. But he was still human. You see it in a different light. Especially when you get in the New Testament, which we can relate to because we're in the dispensation of grace. We realize that Peter was a hothead. He was quick to draw the sword and cut off the ear. Deny the Lord three times. In fact, pretty much in my opinion, it was Peter that Jesus rebuked the most. He understood the flesh, but he also understood I can work through someone who has a right heart, right spirit. I find four words that bring me so much comfort. It helps the flesh. It's Hebrews 13 and 10, the first four words. We have an altar. My friend, if you can understand the magnitude of that phrase, it will change your life. Because when you feel hopeless, you have an altar. When you feel like you've lost your direction, you have an altar. When you feel like God doesn't love you anymore, you have an altar. When you feel like you can't make it one more day on your own, you have an altar. When your finances are in a mess, you have an altar. When you're sick in your body, you have an altar. When your marriage is in ruins, you have an altar. If you can understand that no matter what you go through, the one thing they can't take is your altar. Because it's not about a piece of furniture. It's about a moment I could be standing just right here and I could reach my hands to heaven and I could connect with God. And right here at this moment, I have made an altar. You can lay your head on your pillow tonight and you may be weeping and crying yourself to sleep. But if you could understand that that pillow can be like Jacob, it can become an altar, which is a place of divine exchange between God and man. 
what we've got to do tonight is we've got to make an altar. We've got to make a place of consecration. We've got to make a place where we look upward and we see his purity. We look inward and we see our filthiness. We look down and realize that there's a hell I don't want to go to. And when we walk away from it, we look outward and we realize there's a world that's lost and going to hell. And we've got to tell them about a Savior that can change their life. Right where you're at, I invite you to lift your hands as they sing unto the Lord. We're going to make an altar tonight. If you need the Holy Ghost, you repent of your sins. You ask God to forgive you and you begin to worship Him and God will fill you with His Spirit. If you need forgiveness, it's there. If you need God to touch your mind, it's there. Oh, come on, sing unto the Lord right now. My soul, my soul will, will sing. This place an altar. I'm going to make an altar make right where I'm at. Sing, my soul will sing. My soul will sing. This place an altar. Oh, I gotta have an altar. I gotta have an altar. I gotta have an altar. My soul will sing. I'm crawling on that altar because when I get on it, I become holy in the sight of God. I become desirable as long as I stay on the altar and I keep my flesh on the altar. My soul will sing. How do you get the Holy Ghost? You get on the altar. That's what gets you holy. Oh, worship and sing of the Lord. Make that place wherever you're at an altar. If you're in your living room, make you an altar. It doesn't matter where you're at, make it an altar. My soul will sing. My soul will make this place an altar.